Welcome to I Communicate on Full Service Radio, 830 WCRM. To join the conversation, call 508-871-7000. Now, here's your host, Mark Altman. Hey everyone, glad you're with us here on a Thursday afternoon. And I have to I have to begin with a story today because I'm here with my friend, producer, partner in crime, Ted here. And, hey, how you doing, man? Uh, I'm doing great. Now, I want our audience to know that Ted always gets me in the right frame of mind before these shows. And so one of the things he tells me to do is keep my microphone really close to me. And it reminds me, Ted, of uh, there was just an announcement made. I think it was for the first time in 75 years, the Scripps Howard National Spelling Bee was canceled wow. due to COVID-19. Jeez. And it reminds me of this exchange I saw on, on when they televised it on ESPN. A, a girl that had won the spelling bee was interviewed by a reporter, and they were sitting on the couch together. And the girl was very shy and, and anxious and timid, as you would expect kids that age yeah. to be. And, Ted, I wish, I wish I had this footage for our audience to see and for you to see. The woman basically put the microphone, frankly, in her mouth. I mean, it was so close to her face. And, and what, the best part of it, Ted, how often on this show do we talk about body language and emotional oh, intelligence? Yeah. Ted, the girl, the closer the reporter put the microphone, the more the girl was backing further away on the couch. Do you think the reporter picked that up at all? Nope. Just kept nope. putting the microphone closer, closer, and closer and closer and closer. And I was like, boy, that just that's just beautiful self-awareness right there. <laughs> So anyway, so I, my, folks, my microphone is very nice and close, thanks to Ted. So look, you know, I, I, I want to start out, uh, I really hope everybody's doing well. You know, I feel like uh, we're really slowly but surely starting to see a light at the end of the tunnel, and I know we're all keeping our fingers crossed. And today I, I want to really talk about a word that affects every human being on the face of the earth, and the word is triggers. And let me just explain a couple of things about the word triggers, because the first thing is it's it's a word that's frank, frankly used usually around mental health and seeing a psychologist or a psychiatrist or something like that. But a trigger in layman's terms is something that can cause you to lose control, get flustered, react or respond differently to a situation they, that you may normally react. And I got to tell you, I, I'm triggered to start the show today. All right. Now, Ted, did you, I, I know you have such a busy schedule, but did you happen to see any of the Michael Jordan Last Dance segments on ESPN? I, I, I have not. I've had lots of conversations about it, though. Okay, so so this, I'm going to take it from a different angle. I watched all 10 episodes. I'm a huge wow. huge sports fan and certainly a big basketball fan. And you know, the thing that I walked away feeling angry about is... One of the five core ingredients of emotional intelligence is motivation. And the way the, the way the documentaries were framed was that every time someone said something or did something to rile Michael Jordan, maybe they talked trash to him, or maybe they got excited at a success they had over him at his expense, they would always interview Jordan after and he would say, boy, that was a mistake because... That got me fired up to come out and play harder and be better. And I just sat there and I shook to myself, that is such a bunch of garbage. I said, first of all, first of all, Michael Jordan was, Bob Costas said it best, 
Michael Jordan played every day, even though he had nothing to prove, he played every day like he always had something to prove. So whether someone was riling riling him or not, he always wanted to get the better of and assassinate his opponents and just destroy his opponents. And it got me thinking, it triggers me, Ted, because it really... When you need something like that, you know, Ted, we've talked about motivation on the show before, but when you need something, when you have to get triggered by someone talking trash or someone riling you up, that implies to me that you wouldn't have had the same focus, determination, or commitment if that person hadn't said anything. Right, right. It's uh, disingenuous to say that I play harder when somebody gets in my face. I really, I, you're absolutely right. A guy like Jordan is playing hard all the time. And well, he's in his zone when he's playing. Well, and, and I remember back in my early 20s when I used to gamble on sports before I came to my senses that I actually, talk about this, Ted, I actually, my roommate was my bookie. Oh, talk about setting man. yourself up for oh, failure. Yeah, that'll do it. Right? And I'll remember a, something he said to me. It was so funny. I'll never forget this. I remember a team that I had bet on lost, and he and I said to him, I said, oh, man, they're going to be so fired up to come out next game and show everybody. He goes, yeah, keep telling yourself that. Everybody says that, like, oh, the next time they're going to be angrier and madder and madder. Then how come teams lose 10 games in a row? He goes, it doesn't quite work like that. You're pretty mad after nine games. Right. So anyway, so triggers. So we're going to frame this, and Ted, Ted also has a lot of background in this area. We're going to frame this from a salesperson's point of view. And, and today we're going to talk about two aspects of triggers. One, we're going to talk about how prospects get triggered. And one, we're going to talk about how salespeople get triggered during an exchange. And I can tell you, Ted, I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but I can tell you one of my biggest triggers in sales is being called a salesperson. In other words, saying that my behavior sounds like a salesperson. Like, that's the worst thing I feel like anybody could say, <laughs> right? Well, it depends on what your generation is. I'll just say that. Okay. Um, um, I, you know, my, my generation came up with great reverence for salespeople. They wrote plays about them and how things developed or didn't develop in a salesperson's career. Um, And really, nothing ever happened in this world without somebody selling the idea first. Okay, but wait a minute. I'm going to give you an A-B situation. Someone has just said to you, boy, Ted, you sound like a salesperson. Are they typically implying choice A, you're prepared, knowledgeable, or trustworthy, or choice B, you're pushy, aggressive, and don't listen. Oh, it's definitely choice A for me, but I understand. Really? I, I, I definitely understand the perspective that all salespeople are, are selling cars or something like that. They're, they're, salespeople are typically lumped into this, sti- they have a stigma. A or negative the- point of view about the sales process, yes. Okay, so I'm going to, uh, for, our, for our listeners today, I'm going to give you, I'm going to share with you some of my personal triggers. Before we get into the sales aspect, I'm going to share some of my personal triggers. And let me tell you, let, let, me, let me get you to be thinking what your triggers are and if any of these resonate with you. Hey, Mark, 
let me just say Please. something. I'm pushing back on you pretty hard here about the, the, the sales. You're absolutely right. Um, anybody, even a professional salesperson, can get triggered by somebody turning up their nose and saying, oh, you're a sales guy. Well, and I want to tell you, Ted, I received a compliment the other day that, oh, it meant so much to me. It was someone, an executive, who listened to the show, and this is what they said to me. And it was, in a million years, I wasn't expecting this. They said, you know, you know what, Mark, I like about the show? I like that you sound like a regular guy. Sound like you're relatable, and you're, you're not like higher or better than everybody else. You're talking as if you experience what we experience. And Ted, I was like, that's one of the nicest things you could have said to me. That's brilliant. Because one of my pet peeves and triggers, and I've said this for, since I've been a kid, Ted. You know, when I, when I was growing up, I wanted to be a sports broadcaster. And I always, and I think people thought I was joking, and they would like shine me on when I would say it. I'd say, listen, if I ever make it big, if I ever have a lot of success, I will not change. I will not change who I am. I will treat everybody the same. Because whenever I'm around people who have to act higher and mightier or better, that's a trigger for me. I oh, hate yeah. that. Oh, there's nothing worse than sitting down with someone who has an inferiority complex. It, it, it just wipes out every form of communication you can use, and you can tell they're not going to open their mind. You know, uh, their knowledge filter is going to control everything that goes by them. So, all right, so Ted, here, here's, I'm just going to give you two or three of my biggest pet peeves, just in general, triggers, pet peeves, right? One of them is being kept waiting at a restaurant when I've had a reservation. So I've got my reservation at 7 o'clock, and I'm sitting there for 15 or 20 minutes. How about you? How does that sit for you? I, I don't wait. Either hmm. the table is ready when I get there, or I leave the restaurant, and they just lost the $200. Well, and my, my attitude is... Think about how many people get upset when you're late for something. Hey, if I wanted to wait for food, I'd move to the Soviet Union. Back in the 80s, <laughs> That's you know? good. That's really good. So if you're the kind of person that really gets angry when someone's late for something, okay, think about it this way. You're upset if someone's late because when someone's late for something, they may as well just put up a big sign saying, my time's more important than yours, and this is why I'm late for this event. And so that triggers you when someone's late. Well, that's, that's what I feel like. You're, you're not preparing properly at a restaurant if I have to wait. Now, I'm going to tell you one last pet peeve. And then when we come back from break, I'm going to tell you, we're going to get into this whole sales trigger prospect. Excellent. My last pet peeve heading into break is when I say something to someone else and the person says, you didn't know that? Because my, my attitude is when you say you didn't know that, that implies that because you knew it, I should have known it, and there's some assumptions, and it makes you feel stupid. Yeah, it's presuming ignorance, and it's very rude. Presuming ignorance. So, so when we come back, we're going to get into salesperson triggers, what they are, how to overcome them, and how to recognize them. This is Mark Altman for I Communicate. We'll be back after the break. Now, I 
Communicate continues on Full Service Radio, 830 WCRN. Once again, here's your host, Mark Altman. Okay, we're back, and uh, I did not get triggered during the break, so that was a big win. So, look, I, I, I want to, you know, I want to... Not that I didn't try. You, you, you seriously, really, Ted. So, you know, I, I want to start with, with predictability. Oh, boy. Because when we look at getting frustrated and triggers, it really, there's so many causes, and we're going to get into this, but one of them is lack of control and feeling like a loss of control. And so when you look at COVID-19, we all feel such a loss of control in so many different areas. And I got news for you. There's really only three things, Ted, we can control in the world. Do you know what they are? Uh, well, uh, are we going in the direction of Marcus Aurelius here? Because there's nothing that I can control that's outside myself. I just, I just want our listeners to know before I respond to Ted, is one of my favorite things about him is that he brings up Marcus Aurelius during this show. Like, that in itself shows the depth of your wisdom. I love it. Oh, well, you know, it's kind of like a guiding light because we all want to affect change somehow. And the only place we can affect change truly is inside ourselves. Okay. So let's go with that. So we've got what inside ourselves, as Ted says, but here are the three things we can control, right? One is what we do, our actions. One is the choices we make, and one is our, our, how we react to things. Actions, choices, how we react to things. So one of the challenges with COVID-19 is that when we get updates, and I, again, I don't care, this is not a show about politics, whatever side you're on or whatever, how it affects those updates, you know what it does, Ted? It reminds you of the lack of control you have yeah. in your life right now. Yeah. And that's what is a trigger. That's a great example of a trigger. Now, think about a situation. We've all been in this situation. You are in, you are on the highway, you're in traffic, and you honk your well, someone cuts you off. Right. Okay? So you've got so let's look at the three things you can control. First, your actions. Okay? So what do you want to do? You want to honk your horn? You want to let them know you're upset? What do you want to do? You want to gesture, maybe? Right. Yeah. Because when that person cuts you off, their life mission is to piss you off, and that's why they've cut that's you off. That's the only reason they exist. That's the only reason they exist. It's all about you, right? So that's number one. Number two is the choices. So that's an extension of the actions. What do we want to do? But the key with the choices is understanding what choices you actually have so it's not the choice to honk or not honk. It is that's your action. The choice is let me evaluate the different things I can do here and why I would do them. And then the reactant or respond, how you respond is an extension. And so what it really comes down to is why is what is the root cause of why someone cuts you off? And we've talked about this on the show before. There's lots of reasons. Someone they might be late for an appointment. They might be having a bad morning. They might be concentrating. They might think they're more important than you and where they need to go. There could be a hundred reasons. But what I want you guys to remember as you listen to the show about triggers is that understanding why you're upset is a huge aspect of being emotionally intelligent and making the right choice and taking the right action. So, for example, think of a time in your life where you felt disrespected. You felt it wasn't fair. Did you ever, when you were growing up in school, say, how come he got to do it and I don't? 
That's not fair. That's not fair. So we've got fairness. We've got respect. We expect our leaders in the workplace to be consistent. We expect people to follow up and do what they say they're going to do. And when they don't, we feel like we're being disrespected. So understanding the root and understanding what you feel like you've lost, this is an important component of this. Because in that moment when you're just determining what you've lost, number one human need is to feel included and feel a part of something. Right. So if you're feeling excluded, someone may have done a behavior, they didn't tell you about a meeting, they didn't include you on an email chain, you know, something along those lines. They didn't ask your feedback. Well, you don't feel you feel excluded. And so the immediate pain of feeling exclusion excluded is going to drive your act. And that's what it triggers all about. Now in sales, here's what it comes down to in sales. I think about what my expectations are when I and hear me out now. I think about what my expectations are when I communicate with another human being. I automatically am going to expect, and I'm intentionally saying, because I think in my own mind, I tell myself this, even though it's not the right way to think, I'm expecting you to be respectful, kind, communicative back. There's like this set of etiquette, Ted, set of rules that we converse with another human being. And when people don't follow those rules, it doesn't really much matter what the interaction is because they're just not following the rules. So in sales... I'm communicating, and I am sharing, I'm, I'm in a presentation, and I'm sharing the value proposition of the presentation, I'm talking through why it would be worthwhile, and the person, whether it's their body language or what they're communicating, feels very unfriendly or threatening. Yep, arms folded. Oh, here's even the best one. And I'll tell you, this might be Ted. This might be the most popular trigger I hear from salespeople now. It's when their prospects are on their phone or doing something while they're presenting. Just disrespectful. Right? Totally disrespectful. Out of control. So in a case when you get triggered, if you're making a presentation and the prospect isn't paying attention, you have all kinds of conclusions you can draw in that moment when they're looking at their phone. You can say, well, I guess I'm not that interesting. Maybe I haven't engaged them. I guess they may be stressed upon some, stressed about something going on in their life that they feel the need to check, perhaps incessantly, right? Or it's just force of habit like the rest of us that we're checking our phone 20 times an hour. But if you see that action of that person checking your phone, their phone, and that happens to be a personal trigger for you of rudeness and disrespect and frustration, you know what's going to happen to you as the salesperson? It's going to take you off your game. Your ability to read that other person, be empathetic. How about this? Be empathetic to that other person is going to go right out the window because you're going to perseverate on just the fact that that person is being rude in that moment. Am I right, Ted? You're spot on. It, it It's almost arresting. And that's the thing about triggers that are so painful like when I ask salespeople, do you understand what emotional intelligence is about related to sales? They kind of look at me and I'm like, listen, it's not just about responding and reacting. It's you have to have an awareness how this has upset you. 
and why it's upsetting you. Is it upsetting you because the last 10 times you've had an, you've had an interaction, people have looked at their phone and this is just an extension of that? Why is it upsetting you? It's upsetting you because of what I said a couple of minutes ago. You feel disrespected. You don't feel heard. And if you don't feel heard and you feel feel disrespected, you're not going to be able to focus and concentrate on the matter at hands and pay attention to your goal. Now, look, I'm not giving, I'm not giving human beings carte blanche to act however the heck they feel like, and I'm, you just have to deal with it. I'm not saying deal with it. Emotional intelligence is not just taking a punch in the face and ignoring it and avoiding it. It's about taking the punch in the face seriously and understanding why you got the punch in the face and getting clarity on it. And so, so what it comes down to is in the moment when someone might treat you unfairly, rudely, disrespectfully, unkindly when they do those things, it's to breathe and take a step back and say, this is not about, this is not about you. And I've got to figure out what's really going on here. Now, when we come back, and I t- I've talked about this on past shows, we've talked about this thing called communication ambiguity. And that is when something is going on, you don't necessarily understand why it's going on, but you jump to a conclusion and make an interpretation that you're not even sure is accurate. But because you need to gain control of the situation again, You make that quick interpretation because it makes you feel better. So when we come back, we're going to talk about how emotional intelligence doesn't mean bottling up your emotions, internalizing your emotions, let people walk all over you. It means being curious, understanding what's going on, and knowing how to effectively respond. This is Mark Altman for I Communicate. We'll be back for our third segment right after the break. This is Full Service Radio, AM 830, WCRN, Worcester, Metro West. continues on full service radio 830 wcrn once again here's your host mark altman all right so we're back to i communicate if you'd like to call on the show it's 508-871-7000 and would love to hear from you and uh you know i was thinking during the break that probably in sales the most devalidating phrase you hear is i'm not interested And what I love about that phrase is people who are still cold calling and prospecting through cold calling, and I can't think of a better example of how triggers affect salespeople than this. You start out, let's say you're going to cold call for an hour. Let's say you've disciplined yourself to lock yourself in a room and cold call for an hour. Knock out those 100 calls. Yep. First call. Hi, my name is Mark from Mindset Go. The reason why, not interested. How do you know? Not interested. How do you know? But but the fact is is if you give, if you use the trigger to trigger yourself to respond in a controlled way rather than 
What do you mean you don't know? Well, well, actually, actually, Ted, where you're going, so you're actually, I would love to talk about what Ted's talking about. He's a step ahead of me, so we're going to get to that in a moment. I'm sorry. No, no, you're okay. That's a great point. But how do you know? So, but but what happens, right, is uh, when you get cut off, you're, you're, you can't, it's even, awful. Get, you can't even get your first two sentences it's out. It's awful, yeah. It's debilitating, so this, too. And this is what happens. Let's pretend... Before we even get to what Ted talked about, which is how you can respond. But let's pretend you, you, you they hang up on you. You can't even respond. Right. They hang up on right. you, okay? So here's what happens. Now you pick up your second call. And if you're being honest, as you listen to this show today, and you're in sales, you know damn well what I'm saying right now is true. That your confidence, excitement, passion, motivation for that second call has dropped. Because even one I'm not interested, one hang up on, one rude recipient on the other end will affect your motivation and passion and confidence. So that's what we're talking about. When you get triggered by being disrespectful, are you going into those calls? And this is, Ted Ted and I talked a few weeks ago on a show about what we call like sales leadership boss speak that I get annoyed with. So... You know, I can sit here and tell you what you already know is that when you go into making those 100 calls, you know there's a good chance that half the people on those calls are going to be rude to you and short with you and abrupt with you. You should expect that. You should expect that, but it doesn't matter. You know that to be true, but knowing it, hearing with it, hearing it and dealing with it, that's a whole Hold different ball thing, game, yeah. right? So that's a trigger. Someone cuts you off, doesn't let you speak, doesn't even extend the courtesy to let you finish your damn sentence. That's a trigger. Now let's talk about what Ted said. Now let's say they don't cut you. No, they cut you off. I'm not interested, but they don't hang up on you. So what Ted's talking about is how do you know, right? How do you know if they're really interested? So So Ted, it's so funny you said that. Because what I used to say in response actually was, you're not interested in what? Because you don't even know what I'm calling about. Right. How could you be interested? You don't know what I'm talking about. Right? So the idea is, (laughs) the idea is, look, we don't want to create conflict with people. But I want you to understand, we said the three things you can control is you have choices. And in this specific situation, you have two choices. You can say like say what I said, which is you're not interested in what, or hang on, will you just give me a minute too to share with what I was calling about because perhaps you may be interested, right? You could do that, or you can get off the phone and be irritated, and or you can get off the phone and let your frustration mount as those hundred calls get further and further in and you're distracted and you're not focused. And guess what? You're pessimistic because you know what will happen? If you aren't emotionally intelligent, you let those triggers get to you. The deeper you get into the calls, the less resilient you will be with overcoming obstacles because even the simplest obstacle will feel like an affront to you Mm -hmm. as your frustration mounts and your effort level and resiliency level, it won't be where it needs to be to overcome those obstacles. It's rooted in fear, isn't it? So rooted in fear, Ted. And so the whole thing about triggers is, you know, understand where this comes from. If you're, if you're on the other end of the phone, if I was going to be empathetic and give someone the benefit of the doubt if they cut me off mid-sentence, 
Those people might get these calls all day, every day, and are so sick and tired and frustrated that up until they get to know you, you're just like everybody else. And I can understand that. I don't agree with the approach, but I get it. I can see where you'd be coming from. But if you take it personally and you let it distract you, it'll be the death of you because you can't do your job effectively. You know, I've talked on past shows around the same example of, of leadership and delegation. So if you have delegated things to people before and they've let you down, and that's a big trigger when people don't follow through on what they say they'll do, then you're going to be gun-shy about delegating anymore because you don't want to, be, you don't want to fear the worst-case results. And then when you, do, when, when you get those results, then you'll have that mindset of, oh, here it is, another person I can't trust, another person I can't count on. You know, uh, making phone calls or calling people cold calls or trying to introduce yourself in an elevator or going to a meeting and crashing the cocktail party to meet the right person, you know, all of these things are not unusual, but really what it comes down to is confrontation. And unless you're willing to confront politely, confront the person's objection, you're not going to have much success in sales. And it depends on the audience. Now, if I was selling into the boardroom and talking to C-level executives, then, yeah, I'm going to confront and I'm going to get right in their face because that's what they respect. But if I'm selling into the mid-management and they're used to taking orders and taking everything all day long— You can't handle those people the same way. Well, and and I like, you know, what Ted's talking about, he's talking about confronting as an assertive, healthy term. And, 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 you know, I'll tell you, Ted, you know, what I hear from salespeople is here's their problem with confronting the objection in a positive light, what you're saying. And by the way, I agree with you, but here's the pushback salespeople will tell you. They'll tell you that if they go that next level And they say, well, hang on a second. Would you give me a minute or two to let me share with you why I called? You know, they're so worried that the response is going to be, I told you I'm not interested. Mm -hmm. And so that second level of rejection is so... It's fear again. So awful. It really can be awful if you are culpable. But, but, But here's the problem, listeners. The problem is... That if you were to start keeping track of every time you healthily confronted the objection, and let's say you, you kept track of 50 times, what you would find out, my guess, just from intuition and experience in, in, in leadership and in this field, is that 30, 30 of the 50, people would let you talk. 10 of the 50, people would say at that second level, I appreciate what you're saying. I just don't have the time right now. I'm not interested. And maybe the other 10 might be tough on you, but you're only going to remember those other 10 because that's had the most impact on you, the 10 bad ones. That's the one. So there's such a lack of perspective. You know, Ted, when I think of this concept in the workplace, I don't care whether it's sales, leadership, anything, about embracing other people's perspectives it's not even just other people's perspective. It's it's just embracing a different per- situational perspective. Right. 
And if you let yourself be ruled by the negative and by the people that are going to trigger you, you're going to have a very difficult time building and growing relationships in life. Right. Because it's too easy to fall prey to that. You know what you said before about they're not following the rules? Well, a salesperson has to follow the rules too. And in order to fully, properly serve even the customer who's rejecting you, because that's your job, you need to stick to the process. And And when they object the third time, and you know that it's not going anywhere. I always go to the end of my process, which was, well, do you know two people I can call? And immediately there, I just did the takeaway. And now they, well, what are you going to call them about? The thing you're not interested in. Well, I, I <laughs> and think. And then it becomes a little fun. Ted, I think that's absolutely fabulous. And as a matter of fact, I was working with a client earlier this week, and I said to her, I said, when you get off, so this is someone who, uh, doesn't want a cold call. She is a part of a pretty significantly powerful mom's group and some entrepreneurial group, entrepreneurial group. And so we actually, it's so, I love what you just said. So we literally walked through, we said, I, I said, I want you to d- define victory for me. When you have an interaction like this, define victory. And so she said, well, if I get an appointment, I go wrong, wrong. We all want an appointment. Yes, I get that. That's the ultimate victory. In the same way, when you go to a networking event, we all want a referral. That's the ultimate victory. But if that's the only way you're going to find worth and value in the act you're doing, you're not going to want to keep doing it. So this is what I said to her today. I said, here are your rules for victory. Number one, first find out if the person comes across the same kind of audience and decision makers you do to see if they could be a channel partner or referral partner for you. That's a victory. Two, see if they have a use personally for your services. That's a victory. Three, maybe they are part of other great networking groups and other great networks that you should also be a part of. So ask them, are they a part of any other significant groups? And number four, Maybe they're really up to date on sales and marketing strategy and have techniques and tactics they've used to grow their business that you could also capitalize on. And five, if it's a larger scale, find out who the decision makers are. Find out who's involved, even if you're not going to make the sale in that moment, find out who the people you need to connect with in the future. Mark, that's brilliant. So bottom line is... If your first objection and your first rejection and your trigger dominates how you're going to evaluate and control a situation, you just can't be successful. If you look at the different ways you can win, and listen, I'm not, I don't pacify anybody. I'm not trying to pacify anyway. But that's such a big part. So just from that simple, I'm not interested, we just went through a whole series of thought processes, mindsets, and values you can find to be successful. When we come back from our, for our final segment, we're going to talk a little bit more about sales, different types of sales triggers and how you can overcome them. This is Mark Altman. We'll be right back.
I Communicate continues on Full Service Radio, 830 WCRN. Once again, here's your host, Mark Altman. Ted, I got to tell you, before we get to our final segment today, you know, I, you, I've often joked about this Mercury in the Trash commercial, and, and I have to say that I think about this a lot over the years when I hear jingles or commercials on radio or TV that get in your head, and I, I often wonder how effective they are, because I wonder, do they, you're, you're so enamored with the jingle, are you actually even thinking about what the product does or what the service does? That's different, because that's more of like a public service announcement. Mark, but, I, I'm almost embarrassed to tell you that I studied this back yeah? in the late 70s and early 80s. Um, it's very simple. The perfect example was how they sold Salem cigarettes. They used to have this jingle that was, you can take Salem out of the country, but you can't take the country out of Salem. And what they started to do was eliminate the second part. So people would sing it in their head. And that's how jingles work. Huh, interesting. But in it, in, it's an effective... It's called mar- forced recall if you want to look it up in, on the internet. And it's an, affo- it's an effective marketing technique, it, I'm assuming. It, it, I, I think it goes back further than... Uh, I think it was, it, it was actually part of the Propaganda dei Fiori, which was uh, the uh, propagation of the faith uh, by the uh, Catholic Church. Back in the day, they okay. came up with uh, certain kinds of mesmeric... Me, me, I can't remember the word but it would mesmerize the audience Hmm. and get them to uh, recall and be able to uh, deliver the uh, parables. Interesting. All right, well, we're going to cover, in our final segment, we're going to cover two last triggers in sales and and, and what you can do about them. The first one is what we're going to talk about is when someone, you're talking to someone at any stage of a sales interaction, and they tell you they're already under contract with another provider. Right. Now, I can tell you back in my early days of sales, when I heard that, I immediately would think, this is a waste of time. They're already under contract. So it was the kind of thing where I got triggered because I thought, time waste, I've got better things to do whenever. But then I thought to myself, they're already under contract. But I don't know when the contract ends. I don't know if they're happy within the contract. I don't know if there's an escape clause in the contract for that matter. You don't know whether they want to leave that contract. So you have date of expiration. Are they happy? Do they want to leave? Even if if they'd be open to leaving, is there an escape clause into doing so? And frankly, let's even throw all three of those out the window. And let's say the contract doesn't even expire for another year. Now, we know how salespeople struggle with instant and delayed gratification. But what if the person said the contract doesn't end for a year and then you just ask that one, instead of getting triggered saying this is a waste of time, who knows what's going to happen in a year, what if you just ask that one follow-up question at that point, well, just for curiosity, do you anticipate renewing with them? I mean, just that one question. Just, Just having the guts to ask the question. And so you ask, do you anticipate renewing with them? And they say either, to be honest, we're not sure, too hard to tell. But unless you get a definitely, then you can uncover what the key areas are that you could get them to switch and transition at that time. So typical, different kind of trigger, because are you under contract trigger 
doesn't get people angry necessarily, but it gets people disappointed or feeling like it's a waste of time to continue to pursue it. So that's a different kind of trigger that results in your motivation level. That's a trigger that affects your motivation. Now, the big one, Ted, the big, the big one is around money. Now, this is what I mean when I say it's around money. And we talked about um, assumptive reasoning before. So let's say someone says they're interested in having me be a coach. And we, get, we have a great conversation, and they said, geez, Mark, I really would like to use you, but I'm not sure how much it's going to cost. And I say, okay, well, you know, what's your budget? What did you have in mind? You know, what can you afford? So on and so forth. And they say $50 an hour. And then, which is far below what I charge, mm. but am I insulted that they thought my coaching skills would only be worth $50 an hour? Am I put upon, like, are you kidding me? Like, you thought you could get a coach for $50 an hour? No. As a matter of fact, my response typically in a situation like that, Ted, is, how did you come up with that amount of money? Like, why did you think that was the right amount for coaching? And then you know what I get a lot of the time? Jeez, Mark, to be honest, I don't really know what it costs. That's just what it's... Oh, so you weren't trying to be rude or disrespectful. You just genuinely didn't know. (laughs) So that usually is the case, right? And so, Ted, you know, one of the challenges is, and I see this is what people are so insulted when it gets to money that when you ask people how much they have to spend or want to spend, if the number is far below what your service or product costs, you're insulted. How dare you? You're right. You're, you're, and here's the trigger of, You're ignorant. This is the trigger where this person must be ignorant. And frankly, Ted, even if this other person feels justified, because this is a great one, Ted. You know what sometimes prospects will say? You'll say, well, you know, well, where did you you arrive at that number of $50? I love this. They'll say, oh, well, my friend told me that's how much they pay. Oh, now then you can imagine salespeople just want to jump through the roof. Because now they asked the tough question and didn't get triggered, but now you've got a BS answer in return. And so I said, even at that point, I would say to the person, is this an apples-to-apples comparison? Did you, is your friend getting the same kind of service, offering, coaching, whatever, to which then the prospect typically says, geez, I'm not really sure. Because right. you know they haven't gone that in-depth no, with the friend. So the whole thing about triggers is... And I mentioned this in our last segment. Triggers are, are easy. It's so easy to get annoyed with people and aggravated with people. And you know why? Because it gives you a sense of control. The second you can pass judgment, the second you make that assumption, the second you call someone ignorant or judgmental or closed-minded, great, I, I categorize that person. I'm done. I don't have to be curious right. anymore. I don't really have to understand what's really going on because I made a conclusion. And Ted, this is the biggie. And I've never spoken about this on this show. By the way, Ted, I don't know if you know this. This is our 100th show today. Wow. How about that? Congratulations. How about that? So here's why. Because once you make that value judgment, when you're triggered, you are protecting yourself. Because it makes you protect from being vulnerable. Because I'm going to just judge this person. Because if I'm wrong... 
and I open myself up to thinking this person may buy my product or service, may be nice, may be a referral partner, may be a kind person, and if I guess wrong, I'm an idiot. I'm screwed. I have bad judgment. So when I just put that first level of value judgment out there, I'm safe. You know the expression, you are what you eat? Yes. Well, when you're in sales, you are what you think. I think that's life in general, don't you? I do. So, but life is selling. We sell ourselves so every true. day. I'm selling myself to you right now. I should probably be quiet. Uh, we got about <laughs> a minute left. So, I, you know. so, so look, the bottom line is it's, it's, there's a tendency to want to keep control. There's a tendency to want to protect yourself. But the truth of the matter is you have to be curious and you have to be assertive. Curiosity and assertive behavior are the antidote to triggers. And I don't care whether you're in sales, whether you're in leadership, whether you're a mother, a father, what role you play in this world. But one of the best things, and it's a perfect way to end the show today, one of the best pieces of advice I was told is, to me personally, Mark, people were not put on this earth to upset you. They don't care. And that, to me, <laughs> says it great. all. People are not, it's not about you. Be curious, be assertive. Thank you for joining us for another episode of I Communicate. Ted, thanks as always for your awesome input and help. Thank you. God bless. And uh, we'll see you next week.